from Quite the Thing Media. This is Danny Brown from Podcaster Stories, and you're listening to Indie Podcaster, where Jeff, aka Podcast Father, features content creators and the great things they're doing. By sharing what they're passionate about, Jeff helps influence, highlight, and promote creators, artists, and more. Join Jeff and his guests on their Indie Podcaster journey. been searching for a podcast <laughs> want to know about some great artist you've come to the right place indie podcaster with your host the podcast father welcome to this podcast my podcast it's called indie podcaster i'm the indie podcaster on this journey starting out i'm jeff aka podcast father mike sago's with me What's up? This is my 10th appearance. How does it feel? We hit double digits. The audience is clapping right now. I can hear it. Maybe you'll edit it in. Maybe you won't. But in my head, it's there. You're going to have to pay me. I'm going to pay them (laughs) like you paid me, man. I don't pay much. Today's going to be a cool one. Not only do I personally call Jack Shaw a friend of mine, but he has a lot of credentials that he's built up in the podcasting game. It's really cool. The things he's put together. QTT Media is really interesting to me. I've interacted with them a bunch on Twitter. I've been following it over this year since they've launched. The idea to start an independent podcast awards show is a really cool thing to me. If nothing else, it brings people together. It allows for some healthy, friendly competition. It gives some heavy plugs all over the place to cool podcasts who deserve it. There's nothing wrong with any of that. It's interesting to me to see like that podcasts have become so big that we're building infrastructure around the podcasts like what kind of products and services will be there five years from now and uh it feels like some forward thinking and i'm here for it it feels really modern also i'm not a rangers football fan i know jack is but i'm a rangers hockey fan from new york so in a way i feel like we're brothers in arms yeah we'll try to connect that that might have that might have been them though yeah it it, it can count in your head i guess oh mark (laughs) mikey Man, so no, you, you referenced the football, right? And the yeah. reason you did is because Jack and his friends are actually involved in the Heart and Hand podcast. That is the biggest Rangers football club podcast there is. It's really so good. That, that's where Jack kind of starts, and I don't know, building upon a successful, being a part of a successful podcast. Then he springboards into wrong term memory with his friend Colin. Colin's also in the other one, but, and then he, launches quite the thing media which i'm a part of proudly and then he's got like five other podcasts that he started out man and this is guy is a legitimate yeah he is he's a legitimate player in the podcast game and you mm-hmm. touched on it earlier innovation he's an innovative man big time big time he's just really you know hustler has this weird connotation to it i don't know if you feel that way but grinding, just like putting in all this time on all these podcasts and growing them. And you see them stepping from one to the other and they're both popular and doing this new QTT media thing. It's just all very cool. Hustler. I think of the magazines, you probably have stuffed under your mattress. (laughs) I get your point. He is. I was going to say the hustler, the movie, which is much cleaner, but yours is funnier. So what are you going to do? He is in the grind all the time. I probably annoy him. We talk so much podcast business. So before we dive into this interview with Jack, Let me talk about the mother business. Woo, woo, woo. You know it. 
This podcast would not exist without the awesome engagement I get from the community. If you're not in contact with me, I highly encourage you to reach out to me on Twitter at podcast underscore father or hit me up under the contact section on my website, podcastfather.com. If you really like what I'm doing, you can buy me a coffee or leave me a review on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast and myself are proud members of Quite the Thing Media. This network is awesome. It has podcasts that speak to you. Great network full of independent content creators. Go on site and check them out. QuiteTheThingMedia.com All the music used on this podcast I credit to the artist Young Carts. Go to the site and listen to the music. YoungCartBeats.com The sponsors of this podcast are amazing. I highly encourage you to show them love just like you do me. Pod page. You can build a beautiful podcast website in five minutes. Automatically create a beautiful, listener-friendly podcast website from your RSS feed. Customize the design. Get a professional look going. You'll be proud of all your work in just a few clicks. Make it easy and simple. Make sure you go online and create your podcast website. Podpage.com. Flex Up Time. If you are a true crime, paranormal, scary, or comedy podcaster looking to find new listeners, consider submitting an episode to Indie Drop-In. Get more listeners. Get more exposure. Submit an episode. Go online to IndieDropIn.com slash creators. Oh, hell yeah. Riverside FM is great. Your online recording studio. The easiest way to record studio, quality podcasts, and video interviews from anywhere. If you're a podcaster or content creator, you must go to Riverside.FM right now to get started. That's enough of the business. Now it's time to jump into this awesome conversation, which is powered by Riverside.FM. Joining me today is my good friend. He is my brother from another UK mother. It is Jack Shaw. What's going on, man? Yeah, I am great. I am excited to be on here speaking to you, Jeff. You know, we speak quite a lot on Twitter and stuff like that, which is quite common. But yeah, I'm looking forward to having an actual conversation with you. So yeah, let's get into it. And it's interesting because a lot of people for a while thought we were the same person for whatever reason. I had, pe- I had people asking me if I was you and you, then when we first started talking, you're like, that's funny because people were asking me if I was you. So it went both ways there. Yeah. I had one or two people. I had close friends, you know, calling that as my co-founder at Quite a Thing Media. Yeah. Even he said to me, I don't believe that you're not podcast father. And I went, <laughs> I <don't- laughs> I've got lots of stuff going on and you have, you've created your brand and you're doing what you're doing. I said to Colin, I don't have time to do that and everything else that we're doing at the moment. So, yeah, I don't really understand why people thought that, but it seems to be quite a a common thing, Jeff, yeah. Well, you know, I think it's a testament to the fact that we get along so well now. I must say something. We must have something in common, except for I don't say cheers after the sentence. Yeah, That was was kind of the difference to me. That's the big thing. Just that one word, cheers. Yeah, exactly. So... I man, this interview with you is exciting to me because not only did we obviously involved quite the thing media you got me on board there, and I appreciate that, but because you do have a past in podcasting, and we've never really talked about the beginning of it and, and pieced the whole thing together. So I'm excited to have that conversation. Yes, well, I kind of done it backwards. Like you, you'll get a lot of podcasts. You will see they put out a few episodes, and then give you a Patreon link and ask you for money. I started hosting and producing my own show on a Patreon network about four or five years ago. 
purely about football or soccer in mm-hmm. the USA, about the the team that we support in Glasgow, Scotland, which is Rangers FC. And all I really wanted to do was speak about one of my passions in life, which is which is football. And Davy, who runs it, kind of put out a, a call to arms, basically, when he started the Patreon. If you want to do a podcast, send me a file. And if I like it, I'll put it out. So I sent him a seven-minute file about a player called Russell Latapie. And before I knew it, he'd put it out the next morning and I didn't know it popped into my podcast player and I heard myself for the very first time doing a podcast without knowing it. And it's kind of went from there. I have produced and hosted about 400 different episodes on Patreon and maybe uh, since going public with long-term memory and quite the interview, another 100 or so. So I would say about 500 uh, different episodes over the last five years. So... You've been doing it a long time, really enjoy it, and yeah, it's fun, man. It gives me something something to do other than walk the dog and go to real work where I make real money, because I definitely don't make money doing this. <laughs> that, and it makes me laugh when some people get into it thinking they're going to have like an immediate payoff or payoff at all. That's far-stretched, honestly, to um, imagine or even picture, but some people do think that. Don't get me wrong, I... think that independent creators should get paid for their content. If you produce music, you get paid for it. If you produce an independent television show, you get paid for it. Podcasting is a couple of years behind that, in my opinion. You should still get paid, but don't think you can jump into the market and start getting paid straight away. Don't get me wrong, try if you want, but you're going to come up against a brick wall. I'll give you a quick stat here. The Patreon network I work for releases a free weekly show. That gets 100,000 listens per show. It's got 5,000 subscribers on Patreon. So that's 5% of people willing to pay. And that took four years to get to that point. Unless you have, I would I would say, 5,000 listeners, and then you might be able to get 5, 10 people willing to pay. Right. As a, it might, it might put you off podcasting, basically, if you put stuff out there and within a week or a month, nobody wants to pay for it. That's just the way the, the market is. People are so used to getting podcasts for free, basically. They really have to be super consumer, super, you know, that's what you call it, I guess, in marketing, but super fans to do that, which not everybody listening to a podcast is a diehard, would pay anything to listen to. So that shows that you at least do have some engagement. But what about, so you do, did you start out, was calling on that in the beginning? Explain your guys' friendship. You guys do a lot of stuff together. Well, I have known Colin for 20 years, but he was in a sort of different group of friends. So I was friends with Gordon. Nobody knows him, but I'm going to tell you his name, Gordon. Gordon was friends with somebody who was friends with him, and we would come across each other occasionally at parties, at nights out x y and z then i i started doing the the podcast on patreon and colin was a a patron so he was paying for the content he heard my voice recognized my name and then sent me a message and said jack is that you that's doing uh, it's called rangers <laughs> bet remembers is that you doing the rangers bet remembers podcast and i said yes he said i've always wanted to get into podcast and i said okay i will speak to david the owner and say that you 
kind of want to come on. So Colin eventually came on and after about 30 of my shows, doing it by myself, Colin sort of got on board and we started creating together. So we've been creating together for about three years, maybe three and a half years. Yeah, lots of fun, man. He's a good guy. And we sort of split the workload, which is something that you need to do if you're creating as much as us because he's got his own two shows on there. Wow. I've got two shows and two episodes, four episodes, plus the public stuff. So we're podcasting three or four times a week together. Without that splitting workload, there would be absolutely no point. You guys have that chemistry, I'm going to say, would indicate that you've been you've been friends for at least 20 years. It just seems like, seems like it, which is a good thing. I mean, that's what makes the podcast work. Yeah, it does. And we were lucky when we launched our public podcast, Long Term Memory, that we already had a, I hate using this term, fans. We already had a fan base. We already had people listening to the Patreon and we managed to pull over a couple of hundred of them. So when we launched, we were getting decent numbers. You were moving up the charts. You were kind of getting into the like the top 20 in improv or whatever. And that was a driver because I think if I hadn't have done the Patreon stuff and then launched a podcast and after a month or two, the numbers weren't great, it might have put me off because I'll be honest, I like the feedback. I like the conversations that I have with people that are listening. And that's kind of why I do it. If there wasn't that there and there wasn't that link between myself and who was listening, I would probably have chucked it a long time ago, Jeff, and just gave it up to be perfectly honest with you. As a child or youth, did you have these visions? Were you, were you grabbing an old fashioned tape recorder? I mean, it had to come from somewhere. I used to, I did used to have the, one of the old tape recorders. Um, I'm 36, so you're talking nearly 30 years ago. So you could click record, you could record things. And I used to like sort of playing about with the fast forward and rewind buttons to make yourself sound a little bit different. I also was part of the drama class in primary school. So we would put on, every now and again, you would put on a, an Easter play or a Christmas play. And I was, I was part of that. I always quite liked being the centre of attention. And even back when I was 10 or 11 in the, the Christmas pantomime that we'd done, I was old Mother Hubbard um, <laughs> and Jack and the Beanstalk. So I was the dame, they call them, uh, in panto. So I dressed up as a lady. I was centre of attention. I had all the jokes. And it's something that I've really not thought about <laughs> until you asked me that there, basically. I've always kind of liked being the joker of the centre of attention so maybe it sort of stems from that uh, as a youth Jeff yeah it's funny because you're hello friends Colin here the looks the charm and the brains behind drugs our memory just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently we've now introduced a one pound tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers uh, by a pound on each of them, just because we appreciate life is a little bit shit just now, and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people, then we will. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash memory, and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad-free, and lots of bonus content. (laughs) 
talking about that tape. I'm trying to remember what I had the exact same one in uh, Home Alone. Remember that movie? Yeah, I didn't have the Home Alone one that was the funny shape. It was like the square with the, yeah. the two bits. At the I didn't have that one. My dad was a journalist. And before iPhones and before all that sort of stuff, to record a conversation, you would have a portable tape recorder. So it was one of them. It was just, and it wasn't even like a a full-size cassette tape you would put in it. It was like the little mini ones that you would put in. So my dad did that. He retired from journalism and I kind of stole that and started using that. Yeah, but it wasn't the one from Home Alone that you had. Yeah, it wasn't the same one. That was a badass one, though, the one from yeah, It was pretty badass, yeah. I remember what it was called. I'm going to have to do a little bit more looking back and research on that. Anyway, so you use the platform that you had with the soccer club over there, and you get long-term memory. You get some fans over from there. When, But when did you start kind of coming up with this idea of long-term memory and talk about the concept of it and how you came to that? Uh, behind the Patreon, I presented a show called Rangers Bet Remembers, where I used to look back at history. And it used to be all about soccer. And then eventually it became just more about looking back at history, strange facts, things that people might not know, things that you might tell somebody that kickstarts a memory. But a lot of the time, myself and Colin would be having this conversation on the podcast and we would get things wrong. And on Patreon, there is a comment section below your episode. And a lot of the time, a lot of people would be commenting saying, <laughs> oh, that's not true what you said, it is this. And it kind of became a, a bit of a thing that myself and Colin, we would try our hardest, but we would get things wrong trying to remember them. And that's where long-term memory comes from. We will try our hardest and we want to teach people things not we're not educators, but at the beginning of a long-term memory episode, we hope you leave at the end and you've maybe learned something that might not be true, <laughs> to be honest, because we've got it wrong. But we are we're trying our hardest to create something that is vaguely interesting um, because it is kind of the two guys chatting type of podcast that a lot of people mm-hmm. don't like and have no time for, which is fair enough. But there's a little bit extra there, basically. There's facts in there if you want to try and search them out. So, yeah, we get things wrong, but we do try and teach, in inverted commas, use something new uh, every episode, basically. Did you get in going back a little bit? I know I was pretty big into the internet 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, creating content, releasing it. Were you doing that early adulthood? The only place that I ever released content on again in inverted commas was the app vine do you remember that the seven second videos yeah 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 i do forgot all about that yeah i thought it was brilliant because Mm -hmm. done well a seven second video can brighten up your day it can be funny it can be touching and i'm a little bit disappointed that vine disappeared because at my peak in inverted commas as a video content creator on Vine. I did have a couple of thousand followers, basically. There was a sort of, we've got the indie podcast world where everybody sort of kicks about together and shares and does that side of things. There was a sort of Glasgow specific Vine culture, basically, where a lot of people, well, there was about 12 of us, 
all from Glasgow doing sort of Glasgow-specific humour, Glasgow-specific videos. The thing about back then when somebody shared that video, it would get interactions, it would get engagement because it was seven seconds. People watched it, seen it, and then they would follow you. Sharing podcasts is totally different because you're asking people to take an hour, half an hour out of their time. But back when it was Vine, seven seconds, people shared it. You're like, I had videos that were getting like 30, 40,000 views. People were seeing it, but uh, that sort of fell apart. And I work in education and my boss found out that I was doing videos and some of them were, some of them were pretty vile. Some of the shit I was saying was very Glasgow specific. And my boss found out and said, like, you can't really be doing that. But like, there's nothing in your contract to say that you can't, but you're an educator, basically. So uh, don't be saying that online where students might might find you. And students did find me and I did have a, a stalker uh, very early on in my educational career and my Venn career, in inverted commas. So I had a bit of a... A bit of a weirdo started following me about, so changed my name online, changed my, don't use my real name nowadays, never going to, just in case people find me. And I'm not, I'm not keen on that because I'm not saying it's dangerous, but there needs to be, in my profession, a split between the professional and the client, basically. So, yeah, again, Vine being the centre of attention, but you're drilling down deep here, Jeff, and pulling out thoughts and feelings that I didn't ever think about until now, to be honest. That's what I do, man. (laughs) Good. I agree with you though. I'm not big on, and you know that I'm not hiding, but I'm, I'm, my name's Jeff, but I'm not going to go into great detail. Like some people do. I just don't think it's necessary for me to do the thing that I'm doing and and do that. It's not necessary. So I agree with you. Yeah. My name is Jack. That is my first name. And I use my mother's maiden name. My uh, it's my middle name that I use. I just don't use my last name because ah. it, my last name's pretty specific. Like it's not Smith or <laughs> McDonald. Like if you typed my name into Google, it would be me that comes up. Like there's not a lot of people with my full name. So I decided to just um, get rid of my second name and use my, my mother's maiden name. Sorry, I took you off track down the rabbit hole there. Tugging, <laughs> no tugging, <worries. laughs> tugging at your heartstrings. So long-term memory, you brought some fans over. We were talking about that. That worked out. And then you started having a vision about a podcast network. And how long ago was it that you started thinking about launching a network? I've probably been thinking about the network for a few years, to be honest. Like Even before launching long-term memory, I thought it would be pretty cool to have your own network of podcasts or podcasters and produce content and eventually be able to take a bit of a backseat when it comes to the producing, basically, and the actual coming up with new content and have other people to do that for you, basically. And I suppose that comes from Patreon with Davey running that, and we have like four shows a day. So you're you're talking like 30 shows a week that come out. Davey is on like five of them. So there's 25 shows that other people are doing for him. He does uh, pay people um, because he's making money. So yeah, and that's kind of where that started. Thinking to myself, right, I can, I'll be honest. Over time, eventually, kind of make money for me. Like I'm not going to sit here and be 
dubious about my my actions, so decided to launch quite a thing media. We're getting there, you know, we've got new ideas. We're running a podcast awards. The ceremony is 31st of July. We're kind of looking to shine a light on independent podcasters for a start, but also grow the brand, grow the name, get out there. I'm not, like I say, going to sit here and kid on that. I'm all about... The love. All about the love, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, there is an end game, and hopefully we can move towards that uh, over time, basically. I know we have a lot of conversations. I harass you every day, probably annoy the dog shit. I don't worry about it, man. No, I enjoy the conversations. I'm a bit of a chatter myself, yes. But we do talk a lot of podcasting, podcast business, and I think that's why we kind of get along. But so quite the, I've asked you before how you came up with quite the, and your answer is pretty simple because it goes with about it, just about anything. Yeah, hopefully growing the brand, it goes with almost anything. So that was quite the, the football game I watched. That was quite the song I heard. That was quite the bit of food I had. It just goes, it's just a common term that you can almost put any word after. Quite the TV, quite the media, quite the podcast, quite the news, quite the XYZ. Do you want me to be honest with you? We were quite lucky. We, we we sort of stumbled upon it because I had different, like this is where Colin kind of comes into his own a little bit because I'm quite, I want to get things done quickly. And I want to, if I've got an idea, I want to go, 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 go and try and do it as fast as we can. Colin is more methodical and I, I can't even remember what I wanted to call the network before quite the thing media. But, it wasn't as good as that and Colin eventually came up with that and sort of came up with the branding and X, Y, and Z. And once we decided to do more things like the collabs and quite the music and things like that, it just works. So in one sense, we were pretty lucky that Colin was there to just say to me, wait a minute, don't call it Colin and Jack Media. It wasn't that, but you know, just think about it for a little minute and we just sort of stumbled upon it and it just so happens to work for almost anything, which is lucky. (laughs) I have a bunch of things I want to ask you and talk to you about, but how did you go about and approach the first couple of podcasts besides your own that you brought onto the network, the originals? Right, okay. So I was a little bit of a spammer. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I went on to Chartable, uh, the website, looked at the British comedy improv pod, like podcast chart, got people's emails from there and emailed like the sort of top 50, basically, and seen who got back to me and a few people got back to me. And then we eventually got Mockbusters, who are on a bit of a hiatus at the moment, but they produce really high quality content. Cold Callers as well, who I also think mm-hmm. are going to be going on a little bit of a hiatus soon. But those sort of two were the first to get back. They were podcasts similar in tone and content to long-term memory. But to get in contact with them, I did use nefarious means to find out their email (laughs) address and get in contact, basically. So I used Chartable and sent a bunch of, I'll be honest, impersonal emails. Like People will tell you not to do that, which is a fair enough comment. I sent the same email to... Like I said, the sort of top 50. Got about 10 replies and then eventually through conversations got the, the first couple on board. The 
you piece together a few other ones that are some really good podcasts too. Is that just social media that you, so you got Mockbuster cold callers. Great. Those are really good podcasts. Then you took the social media. Social media was the big one. Yes. Just getting the name out there, trying to get the brand out there at the beginning as something as a person that has no background in marketing or anything like that was a little bit difficult. So you go to social media that's where people share things. We eventually got a few people contacting us, basically. Um, over time, people would say, look, we're a new podcast. Is there any chance we can come on the network? And my only sort of prerequisite to joining was sound quality and production, basically. So I didn't want it to sound like it was recorded on your phone or there's buses going past. I didn't want any of that as long as there was a sort of decent production value to it i was quite happy to get you on site and promote and sort of grow that way as a mutually beneficial type deal where the podcast that came on would then share that they were part of quite the thing media and that was the sort of plan to launch basically and it, it kind of worked we grew pretty quickly and got to about 10 or 12 podcasts within maybe two months or so we had quite a few people on board and willing to share us as long as we shared them basically it's interesting that you bring up the sound quality piece because i think that's a big one not that it needs not that a podcast needs to sound amazing because mine will by no means be that (laughs) but this day and age they really there's so many different avenues to create a podcast there's there's apps that are doing it directly off of the app now which is super cool and interesting but it also comes with the caveat of lowering the quality of podcast the more people you have doing it, obviously it's going to lower it. But when you make those kind of options available, it's going to lower it. So it's interesting that you say the sound quality piece is really the main thing that you're checking out. Yeah, I didn't want people to have to struggle to listen to something, basically. Like it's hard enough getting people to listen to an independent podcast without that specific podcast giving you earache almost, like, oh, there's too much noise going on or that doesn't sound right, the volume is different, you have to turn it up and down. As long as that was fine, I was quite happy to basically engage with people. We obviously met on social media, and that's how we've become friends in the podcasting community. And I took online yes, as of this recording, which will come out later, but I talked about how much I've seen the hashtag indie podcast grow over the last couple of months. And it's a brand new thing to me. Obviously, you've maybe been in a little bit longer than me. What are your thoughts on social media and podcasting, independent podcasting? Do you see it as a great benefit for listenership or is it just engagement and networking? What do you use it for? Yeah, I'll be honest here. The the social sharing side of things, when it comes to listenership, is almost, I think, null and void. Don't get me wrong. Nobody is going to promote your podcast unless you do it. So unless you're putting it out there, Nobody else is going to, like, you're not paying somebody to do it. You can maybe lean on your friends a little bit at the beginning, but you can't constantly be asking people to put out your podcast. The hashtag FF, (laughs) the only people that I think are following those hashtags are other independent podcasters. So you put an FF out, and the worst thing in, in the world is being tagged in an FF with 30 different at names in it, like, I'm going to swear here. What is the fucking point? Like, what? Like, you're not giving me, you're not giving me any 
incentive to go and follow like the the people that you're putting in the FF? Is it just to get followers? And then after that, where do these followers, what do they do for you? Or oh, they f***ing retweet stuff again. Do any of them listen? No. Do any of them click your links? No. Do you look at your uh, Twitter engagements for something that is RT'd and shared 100 times, for example? If you actually drill down into the analytics of that on Twitter, you're lucky, lucky if you're getting 1% click rate waste of time people aren't listening people are then just following you back you need to think about things more than that to get to boost your listenership like it's okay having six thousand seven thousand followers on on twitter and following seven thousand people there, but there's no point <laughs> there's just no point like in, in my opinion on wrong term memory you get 600 followers and we generally get about 600 listens an episode I think that's more important to have that engagement and have people actually following and listening. It's okay just following, but unless they actually go download your podcast and listen to you, is it just a vanity thing? I've got 7,000 Twitter followers. Well, you definitely don't have 7,000 people listening to your podcast each week. Like you just don't like you don't, I know you don't because I can find you on listen notes, <laughs> you know, like I'm a little bit of a skeptic when it comes to stuff like that. And sorry if I am uh, pissing on people's cornflakes here, uh, taking a shit in their slippers, but it's a, <laughs> uh, Jeff, come on. It's kind of a waste of time. That's why I don't engage with it. I do not. I mute conversations straight away before the gifts start coming. Like I can't, <laughs> it's, <laughs> Can't stand it, mate. It's something that uh, kind of boils my. To be honest with you, obviously I brought it up for a reason, right? Oh anyway, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I knew we could have a legitimate conversation about it. I do want to say one thing: when you're saying FF for people listening, that's that's something like Follow Friday. Yes, but like like we're recording on a Friday today. There's a lot of Follow Fridays going on on there, and what you're alluding to is the fact that Follow Fridays are filled with and tagged on mostly, primarily, well, almost always, just podcasters. Yeah, and in, exactly. Mm-hmm. And in the case of myself, several Follow Fridays right now that I've been tagged in, we're already all following each other. So it's there's a lot of notifications and all that to it. But I don't want to shit on the social media piece too much because no. it does have value, right? Like networking. You and I come in contact, not through a Follow Friday or anything like that. But the real networking piece it does play a role in social media. So it does have its benefit. It doesn't necessarily translate to listen listens. You're right. Because you have a long-term memory. It has, like you said, five, 600 followers by no means, even, even close to your own personal account, but you have some of these podcasts that might have five, six, three, four, five, six, 7,000 followers that may get not even a hundred. And it, most of it's like you said earlier, you don't, you, you said earlier yourself, you run a podcasting network, but you're busy just like everybody else. You don't have time to just listen to every podcast. But but there's the benefit in what you're doing on creatorthingmedia.com forward slash podcast, Farah. You, you, you're creating value, Jeff, like because you listen to the podcasts and you then write a review about them. And what that does is it gives people an incentive to go and listen to what you've listened to. It's not just a case of putting 20 podcasts in front of people because podcast 
Finding podcasts for me is a very personal thing. I do it by myself. I go on to Apple Podcasts. I've got an iPhone. I scroll through. I look at the artwork. I look at the show description. And if something pops out to me, I click it and listen to it. I have honestly never, I'll be honest, listened to a podcast on the recommendation of Twitter. There we are. Sorry, I haven't. Just never done it. At least you're being honest, and that's why I asked you that question because I knew you would be honest. Mm. It's important like, to be honest. If, if you say to me, word of mouth, if you say, uh, Jack, go and listen to True Crime Garage. I have. I've done that. I've um, I've queued up a few episodes of that because it is a very mm-hmm. personal recommendation. It's word of mouth. If Colin says to me, go and listen to This American Life, I will go and listen to that. Or if he says, go and listen to a more niche podcast, okay. I will go and listen to that because a friend that I trust has said that to me. Something that just pops up on my timeline, uh, I don't, I will never click on it. Like, again, I automatically turn off people's retweets when I follow them because I don't care what they're retweeting. I'm following them because of who they are and what they are creating, basically. I don't, yeah, I don't want to see retweets of things that, yeah, I'm, I'm sounding like a bit of a kid here because it, like especially in independent podcasting it's massive but it does not does not compute to listens basically and that's what you want surely you want more listeners not more followers and i think i'm by no means anybody significant but i do talk to a lot of podcasters right dozens may dm me a day just asking questions just because of the what i'm doing but and a lot of them new ones smaller ones well, they may even have more followers than long-term memory per se, but they under the impression though that the more followers you have, the more listens you have. That's that's a rabbit hole you can go down. So I think that's that's good that you address that because I do honestly see that, Jack. People ask me, how many listens do you think this has? Because they might have 3,000 followers. It's a misconception yeah. for sure. Yeah. I've seen podcasts with 8,000 followers on Twitter and they've got two patrons. You know, it's just not a... The two things should be completely separated if you have a realistic view on how to grow your listenership and that's why captivate like i know we're sponsored by captivate on the for the podcast awards and i use captivate as a host but they're they're a little bit different they've got growth labs Uh, mark you've spoke to mark Mm -hmm. people have listened to your interview with him before they listen to us they've actually got independent podcasters at heart and what to do to actually grow your podcast, like when it comes to marketing, when it comes to spending money in Facebook ads, if you want to do that, when it comes to repurposing your content, when it comes to making your website better, these are the things that increase your listenership. These are the things. What is not on Captivate Growth Labs is how do you get 10,000 Twitter followers? Because nobody cares. (laughs) And that's why we, when we talk about Captivate, I do on my show and you do on yours it's because we genuinely believe in it and it is a personable thing and it is a growth tool as yes absolutely oh man no and um (laughs) and yeah i know you get into those notifications as well so you talked about some of the things on social media that are not benefiting a podcast so what would your advice be what are things people can do what's worked (laughs) for you uh yeah i've been on my high horse for the last 10 minutes jeff I think if you can, you should have your own website with your own sort of podcast name, just so that if people do find you, they can then they can go back there to your website. 
although you're not talking about a link tree either just to verify you're talking about an actual website yeah but like we've got wrongtermemory.com quite a thing media.com what does smh mean.com we've got uh, websites for that at the beginning the website traffic may not be great um you can look into your analytics but i just think over over time it gives you a social proof as well which i think not just and, and podcasting or marketing or the, the, the networking world, but that little bit of social proof, that feedback, like if you've got a, a contact form, for example, ask for feedback, get people to get in contact with you and say, I, I didn't like that episode where you spoke about the Nazis. I didn't like that episode where you spoke about X, Y, and Z. You've got to take that negative feedback. Don't take it to heart because People like different things. Like I said, don't take it to heart, but take it on board and go, right, okay, that didn't work. Also, uh, look at your consumption rate. It's probably my favourite podcasting stat, which is basically how much of your episode are people listening to. So you may have 100 people downloading your episode, but they're only listening to 30% of it. So they're turning off or they're just not listening to it at all. Look at those consumption rates and then maybe even listen back to what you were doing in that episode and what kept people engaged. Because if people are engaged, then they are more likely to share that through word of mouth and recommend it to a personal friend. Like if you listen to a podcast for 10 minutes and turn it off, you're not telling somebody about that specific podcast. If you listen to a podcast all the way through, you're engaged, you might go like that to your friend, oh, listen to that podcast about, the, I'm, I keep talking about the Nazis, but listen to the podcast about the Nazis that Jack, Jeff and Colin done. And I think podcast consumption is probably a stat that is overlooked. Like having raw download numbers is cool, but how much of your episode are people actually listening to? And what did you do to get them to listen all the way through? and then try and recreate that. And the more you recreate that, the more that people might share your content on a a more functional and better level than just retweeting it or just hashtag FFing it. Hello friends, Colin here. The looks, the charm and the brains behind Run Term Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers uh, by a pound on each of them just because we appreciate life is a little bit shit just now and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people then we will so check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrong term memory and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad free and lots of bonus content. <laughs> Had to throw that in again, didn't you? No, I think that's, <laughs> Sorry. that's a great, no, 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 that's great. It's a great concept though. I think they can go to every, a lot more things than just podcasting. So you're talking consumption. Downloads are great, right? You have a long-term memory. If you're going to get five to 600 people listening to it and your consumption rate is above or around 75%, that's better than a thousand with a 15%. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, consumption sense. rate is about 
80-85%, which is people are engaged with the content that we are we are creating and we are steadily but surely growing in that. We tried Feed Drops, which is another thing, right? So we put the UFO podcast, which is one of the, the biggest podcasts on our network and one of the biggest podcasts in that niche. It gets, let's say, 25,000 listens, right? I don't know how many it gets. But we put that out in long-term memory. The consumption rate was 4% because people just turned it off because they're not listening to that. So that sort of consistency and what you're doing and what keeps listeners engaged is is important in my eyes. I'm not a marketer. I'm not a podcast guru. I don't claim to be, but that's what I think anyway. Great. It's, it's great advice. The thing with downloads is somebody might have listened to one episode and clicked subscribe and then it just automatically downloads and they never listen. So like I said, that, that's the most important one in my eyes. Last question for you. And this, I was asked this in a Q&A on my first couple of weeks on Twitter. I want to get your opinion on it because we were joking the other day about the podcast promoters, right? And, and I got to thinking about a question I was asked a while back on Twitter. It was, what in your opinion is worse, people buying ratings or all of their ratings come from other podcasters on like an iTunes, for example, I believe is what the lady was asking me. Like my first instinct is to say paying for yeah, ratings would same be worse. Here. Yeah, that would be my first instinct. But asking if you're doing uh, like review for review or whatever, that's, it was maybe more pertinent a few years ago. Um, I think when the Apple algorithm, because I'll be honest with you, like half of podcast listeners use Apple Podcasts. So that is where the almost the, the majority of your listeners are going to come from. Their new and noteworthy section, etc., used to, as far as I know, really lean on ratings and reviews. Because we really pushed it at the beginning of long-term memory because that's what I thought you needed to do as a podcaster. And over time, pretty lucky managed to get like 130, 140 reviews, basically, and five-star ratings. But it never really got us anywhere. It didn't get us into the new noteworthy. And that's the only reason that I pushed it at the beginning of the show because I thought it meant something. I thought that getting these five-star reviews would somehow get you into charts, get you in front of people. And it is nice. It is a little bit of social proof having that many reviews compared to a lot of podcasts, but it doesn't really do much for you. It doesn't, again, it doesn't boost your listenership. And if these reviews are A, paid for, what the f*** are you doing? Don't do that. <laughs> and if it, if it is review for review, yeah, there's no value in it. Um, there's no... Do you go and read? It's part two of the question was, do you read the reviews before you listen to a podcast? No. Worry about your content. Worry about like what people are listening to. Try and create a space off of Twitter where people can give you feedback. The thing is, when you're asking for feedback, a lot of the time you're going to get positive feedback because you've asked for it. You know, whereas if you just leave a maybe just leave a contact form there without pushing people to get in mm-hmm. contact, they might feel more comfortable especially if it's anonymous as well. Like if somebody on Twitter gets in contact with you, like if I was to get in contact with anybody, yourself, and I send you a DM and say, that episode you had with 
X, Y, or Z was rubbish, in my opinion. I'm not going to do that because that's not a nice thing to do. Yeah. So giving people a space to anonymously maybe get in contact is something that, again, you might not like um, the feedback that you get. Like, I've been called woke. You're far too woke. You shouldn't be saying that. Like, I I don't agree with what you're saying. Like, that's the sort of feedback that we've got on the anonymous side of things. And although I don't take that um, into account when it's obviously a bit of a, like a bit of a dead that just disagrees with an opinion, but there have been some people get back to us and said, look, that, that bit didn't particularly work. But I don't know who they are, but I did take it on board because firstly, it was anonymous, so they feel comfortable doing it. And secondly, they've took their time out to sort of tell you what they don't like. You've got to listen to it. You can't just gobble up the the positive praise there, the shares, X, Y, and Z. You can't just gobble that up as if it's it actually means something. You need to take the, the negative stuff on board unless it's completely irrelevant the scale yeah and like the, the guy that got in contact calling us woke in inverted commas was obviously a bit of a kid because like what, what he disagreed with that we were saying on the podcast was clearly something that was just 99 percent of people's opinion he was obviously very much let's call him a dead racist like he was a horrible basically <laughs> like sorry yeah. for swearing again but like ignore that, but when it's actual feedback on your content and the parts of the sections that you're doing, sort of take that on board and don't take it too personally, basically. And I asked you that because I'm obviously much more positively engaged with Twitter than you are. Really deep involved in the indie podcast community, but I wanted to hear the thoughts of somebody who is involved in Twitter and doesn't have anything against it, but is not so much as into the social aspect of it. Yeah, like we've got quite a thing, media.com. We're still on a podcast network for independent creators, and that is not going to change anytime soon. And that is why we decided to to run the awards, basically, was to try and shine a little bit of a light on the people that take time out of their day, night. Everybody's working full-time jobs, basically, and doing this over and above it. We wanted to shine a little bit of a light on that, get eyes on that. And that was something that was that I really wanted to do from the start. Moving forward as a network, we may need to focus a little bit more on the listeners and the audience rather than um, the independent podcast world that is very much, like we've mentioned, a little bit incestuous at times and everybody follows everybody else and it's not beneficial to growth but i give a shout out to all the people that take their time out and produce good content because without it we wouldn't have a podcast network we wouldn't have a a podcast awards basically so everybody that does that is gets a high five um from me basically keep doing what you're doing but maybe refocus on some of the things that basically i think are more important so just or just ignore me <laughs> i don't care <laughs> this will be coming out just literally a couple of days before the award ceremony. So I do want to give you a minute to plug that because I do think it's it's going to be awesome. Yeah, so we've got eight podcast categories and we will be going live uh, on YouTube Premiere on the 31st of July, which is a Saturday at 9pm GMT. So depending on where you are, if you're in America, I'd imagine that sort of between 
2 p.m. and sort of 6 p.m. We decided to go then because we thought that it's a Saturday, people are off. If they want to come along, watch their words, that will be cool. We have got a keynote speech type idea from Mark from Captivate. We've got JJ from Good Pods. We've got Matchmaker. We've got Squadcast all sort of there and, and involved. There will be prizes given out to winners, but there's also going to be a raffle, basically. So you can win a Squadcast three months for free. You can win... Uh, and Awesome Pros, they design, their graphic designers, so they were able to work in your artwork. And we've also got a 90-day uh, Captivate free hosting package as well. So if you attend, there's a chance to win a prize. There's a chance to have a laugh at me and Colin trying to present a podcast awards. You're going to be there as well, mate. You're going to be presenting the music awards. We've got cold callers. We've got music videos. There's tons of stuff going on. It's not just a Zoom call. It's not just uh, like one guy talking at the camera. There's going to be lots of different content and it's not going to be too long. We're talking maybe 90 minutes at the most out of your time to pop along and have a good time, win a prize, see me in real life, see Jeff in real life, X, Y, and Z. So looking forward to it and hopefully it is a success. I'd imagine that the uh, link to the tickets will be in the show description, Jeff. Yep. Tickets are free, man. Like, I'm not asking you to to pay <laughs> to come and watch a bunch of people that you don't know, basically. So they're free. Come along, take a wee look. If you don't enjoy it, leave. Like it didn't cost you anything. But if you do enjoy it, yeah, hopefully you will. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely get it in the show description. And I do encourage everybody to check it out. We talk about support. You know, you want to support content creators, especially at the independent level. This is a great opportunity to get involved, get your free ticket via online and check it out on the 31st. And we'll have all the information in the show notes. I can talk to you all day, like I said, man, but I'll let you get back to what you're doing. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this interview today. Yeah, I enjoyed it, Jeff. Like normally I'm interviewing people, so it's nice to be on the, uh, the flip side, basically. I do apologize if I got in my high horse too much. And if you don't agree with what I'm saying, um, get in contact uh, at QTT Media. Basically, if you have a pod lift tweet going on, you need to add Jack Shaw to it. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't do that. I'll block you. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, man. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for listening and thanks for telling a friend. But more importantly, thank you for supporting independent content creators. I hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to listen to the upcoming ones. I'm really trying to do something special here by highlighting all the amazing things all these amazing content creators are doing. I hope you continue to join me on my journey. I'm Jeff, a.k.a. Podcast Father, the indie podcaster. Keep being you. Keep being great.